What's up, guys? Welcome back to Coaches Don't Play. It's Thursday, your favorite day of the week, featuring your host, Coach P, reporting live on location from my couch. All right, so today's episode is super special and very important, okay? If you fall under one of these categories, you need to be listening to this episode, okay? If you are married, if you are getting married, if you ever in the future want to get married, and also if you are going to eventually die one day. If you fall under these one of these categories, you must listen to this episode, okay? We talk about prenups, divorce, defamation, wills and estates. Gravine and I sit down with two lawyers who practice here in Alberta, and we answer, we ask them your questions that you sent in, and also some questions that we had ourselves. And let me tell you, I was too stunned to speak multiple times. So hopefully you guys enjoy this and take something away from this very informative, entertaining episode. I know you guys are listening right now and you're like, oh my God, what am I going to eat today? I'll tell you exactly what you're going to eat. Chinese Indian Grill. They're Canada's first fast casual Indian restaurant. It's differently Indian, just like the podcast. It's the Chipotle of Indian food. They're fast, fresh, and healthy. They have something for everyone. They have meat, veggie, vegan, and gluten-free options. You walk in, you build your own baroti or your bowl. You can choose your proteins, toppings, sauces, and of course, your chutneys. They also have a street food menu as well. My personal favorite, the coach's personal favorite, is the lion fries. Make sure you guys try that out. Check out their location in South Surrey at Grandview Central. And when you get to the till, right, this is the thing you you have to remember to do this. You have to mention the podcast for the discount. Okay. You go there, you order your stuff and then, you know, you sidestep to the till. And when they ring you through, you're going to be like, by the way, can I get the coaches don't play discount? And they're going to be like, for show, for show. So make sure you guys do that. Right. Follow them on Instagram at Chutney's Indian Grill. Chutneys is growing and now franchising in the lower mainland. So make sure you visit www.eatchutneys.com to learn more and find out how you can become a part of the Chutneys team. And shout out to them for always supporting the podcast. And shout out to you guys for going to Chutneys and supporting them. And in turn, they support us. You know, it's all, you know, the circle of love here. All right. So thank you so much. Um, and let's get on with the pod. Joining us today, we have Mampri and Deep from Barar Law Firm here in Alberta. They specialize in civil litigation, personal injury, wills and estates and real estate, but they have lots of experience with prenups, divorce and defamation law, which is what we're going to be focusing on today. So welcome, you guys. Hi, Uh, I just wanted to say everything we're saying today is obviously just general legal information. Legal advice would be specific to your personal facts and will change situation to situation. So if you did want actual legal advice, please contact a lawyer. We will be offering free consultations to listeners of the podcast. You can definitely give us a call. Wow. Look at that. All right. So we're going to touch on um, mostly like prenup related stuff, divorce related stuff, wills and estates. A lot of people had questions about that type of stuff and defamation because 
that's the hot topic these days you know everyone's out here trying to sue for fucking defamation <laughs> everyone's out here getting defamed one way or another <laughs> can Juginder Basi get sued <laughs> i mean i wouldn't say no i think defamation is really hard to prove and i'm sure he's got a legal team or i would hope yeah i mean everyone says they have legal teams but i think anyone who's putting something out there like the same way you guys do yeah would have you're open to it so i think doing their bussy is also open to that risk you can mitigate it because at the end of the day defamation i guess starting from the definition is just an untrue statement that harms the reputation of someone else so if you are really careful that everything you're saying is true or um for journalists and bloggers yeah how does it work for them like you know when they like report on a case or something they have to have proof that everything that they're reporting is true basically yeah but they understand i think the law understands that you can't always and as a matter of public interest if you're reporting on something and it's you know a matter of public interest there's public impact or seriousness to it as long as you're making an effort to use reliable sources and also to try to report both sides Mm -hmm. that's really important when you don't necessarily know for true for sure if what's true and what's not if you're trying to get both sides of the story i think that's why most journalists do try to reach out to if they're reporting on something that hasn't been proven or is alleged they'll try to get both people's side and they'll at the very least have to make sure they're like vetting their sources they're not just right right right. i think a lot of people just think like if someone says something about me and it's negative it's defamation yeah i think i I think that's the big misconception yeah but if it's true, like I, because I remember you were saying last time that um, best defense is the truth. Yeah, essentially, if you can prove that what you're saying is the truth, um, then that's your full defense. Uh, and it is a full defense to it because then you're just showing them that you're not defaming them. You're just speaking the truth. Truth. So if someone came, like, let's say Gravine, like, punched me in the face. And then I go on the podcast and I'm like, we were out and Gravine punched me in the face. And I have proof of it that she punched me in the face, that's not defaming her, right? Because it happened. Uh, well, no, that wouldn't be defaming her because it's not... Yeah, it's, it's the truth. It's, that, it's something that actually happened. <laughs> okay, so someone like Juginder Basi where he gives a platform to people to share their like personal experiences. So if they're sharing their personal experiences and they're speaking um, and they say something defamatory, that would lie on them um, because Juginder Basi just given them that platform. But if he says something that's defamatory, that's when he'd be maybe open to a defamation claim. Oh, okay, okay. Doing a podcast, you obviously are disseminating other people's stories or experiences sometimes. And there is also a defense to uh, defamation, which is in- innocent uh, dissemination, meaning you don't know it's defamatory when you're putting it out there. Okay. You believe it's true, whatever the case might be. And then, so if in that case, someone contacts you and says, hey, listen, this is not what happened. Yeah. Like, this is completely false. And then that's defamation. Yeah. If you take it down or redact it or do that kind of stuff, that would be a defense in and of itself, too. Right, right, right. So I think that kind of helps people who are, you know, publishing a blog or doing something right, right. in that area where you're relying on your guests or your sources to be telling the truth. In our business, right, there's always something going on with like wedding vendors or something like that where people are like, oh, you know, we're going to share our like bad experience with you or something. And then the person will be like, well, you can't say anything bad because that's defaming me and my business will be affected. What happens with like reviews? Is there or is there not a fine line between a negative review and 
defamation. So there is, but they're actually part of the protected reviews are protected the same way. Like when I mentioned fair comment or opinion, okay. it's, it falls under the same thing. So like reviews are totally allowed. And like, there's a lot of people whose jobs rely on that, like yeah. food reviewers, movie reviewers, reviews are allowed under the same thing where, you know, it's a statement of opinion. It's based on facts that can be proven yeah. and you're not doing it maliciously. Like you're not trying to <laughs> destroy someone. So if those three things apply, yeah. then you can fairly comment on things. But again, you just have to make, be careful to limit it to one, your opinion, yeah. Um, and state it as such and then two based on two experiences so you can't like you shouldn't be embellishing or like adding stuff to your story when you're writing a review i'm just thinking because there's been a lot of talk online like on instagram and like facebook recently uh when it comes to like vendors especially and so and it seems like that when somebody like because these are not just like regular quick like two sentence reviews people are writing like essays about other people yeah Yeah. Yeah. like they they range from essay to like short story (laughs) it's like it's getting wild out there right and so at what and then a lot of like sometimes you'll hear of vendors coming out and saying like you know this is defamation i can sue you for saying that blah 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 but technically it okay based on what i know and what you guys are saying they can't it's very hard to prove defamation like i'm not saying that's not to encourage people to <laughs> engage in defamatory behavior it is but it is very it's difficult very to, prove. to prove so go right ahead <laughs> not what i'm saying but just um for people who are considering it yeah. like considering suing someone for that or want to look into that definitely speak to a lawyer because it is really hard to prove there's a high standard that you have to show okay. um and again, going back to opinions, reviews are really protected. So your freedom of speech is perfect, protected. So it's really, you've got to show that they were lying in their review. Like, yeah. so, you know, when you said people write full on essays, if there's a lot of stuff in that essay that just didn't happen or they've embellished it or whatever the case might be, then yeah, there might be a claim to be made. Um, so I guess I would just say to people who are writing reviews and doing that to just be really careful to be really clear as to making sure everything they're stating as a fact is true and then any opinions are based only on the true portions like not i'm assuming a lot of these like reviews are based on like personal experiences and that person's feelings yes that's i think what's complicating things these days is it's not just like so for example you go eat somewhere and you had the food and let's say something was very clearly wrong with it like it was undercooked there was a hair in your food like that's one thing then there's stuff like, I didn't like the way it tasted. It didn't have enough salt. The server was giving me attitude. But then what's happening is people are now taking it a step further and they're saying things like, um, and then this is how it made me feel. And then they ruined my day. And it like, I don't even like looking at pictures from that day. But if that's true and that's their experience, I think it's fair. Because at the end of the day too, like as much as people have the right to put reviews out there, the people they're speaking about also have the chance to respond. I'd assume in most platforms like on Yelp, Google reviews, whatever the case might be, those vendors can write and say, Hey, I appreciate your review. Here are the things that I disagree with. Like just, and then people who are reading it get both sides. Cause I think it'd be really hard to start. Yeah. I think the, the, the takeaway from this is that reviews are mostly protected, mostly protected. Unless you're stating things as fact, like they did this, they did this, they did this. And none of those things ever happened. Like, you know, you've added a whole bunch of stuff to your story. Yeah. Then, yeah, that's clearly false. And that is a false statement. That- right. But when you're expressing feelings, it's okay. 
I think as yeah, as long as you're clear that the, I felt this way, yeah. I felt disrespected. I thought they, the way they spoke to me was rude. Like that's your that's your opinion. And reviews are opinions, and it would be very and it also like I, I think people think that it's really easy to sue. It's not. I had another lawyer, a senior lawyer, tell me one time. He's like, pretty much. You. He's like, I always tell my clients that you can sue or anybody can sue for anything. Yeah. Um. So when people ask like, can I sue this person? Yeah, you can sue them. You can make a claim in court. Is it going to hold up? Like, probably yeah. not. So what you should be asking is, if I sue them, will I win? Or like, what are my chances at um, winning this case? As lawyers, we have a duty not to like promote vexatious litigants, like people who are just suing just for the sake of suing, and then you might not just lose and you might also have court costs assessed against you. You might, you know, like you can get in trouble for just suing for the sake of suing. <laughs> so as of lately, there's been a lot of um, anonymous reviews that are yes, being um, sent it to certain like places, certain platforms for let's say vendors. Okay. Um, so how does it work with that? Cause so what's happening? I don't know if you guys are aware of this but like there's certain like pages out there that are specifically for maintaining like uh what is it and anonymity or whatever and (laughs) anonymity anonymity (laughs) and so what happens is that there's like a surge of like like people send in their reviews anonymous reviews of like let's say one specific vendor and then it's just like piles on for that company or whatever it might be again i don't have experience with that specific scenario but from what i know i think the responsibility would lie on the person who's kind of promoting this and um, making their page about this but then the problem with that is too it's so difficult to get that kind of information from instagram and to like find out who's running that page i i guess i don't know a real answer it's not the most helpful answer i would say there it definitely is potential to kind of seek recourse against the owner of that page um it would be a hard process and but i'm not saying it couldn't be done you could definitely do that especially if it's really affecting your business i think a lot of times what usually happens and what's usually the easier quicker way of dealing with it is you know trying to contact whoever's hosting that like facebook instagram whatever to show that it's you know bullying or hate or whatever the case might be and then get them pulled down that way i think that would make more sense and probably be more accessible right 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 yeah, it is really hard too because that's how sites like the Dirty uh, stay up. Um, because those are just user submitted. They don't have so the person who does it doesn't have any oversight. They don't review them or go in and see if there are any of the facts are true. They just post them as they come in. So for those, um, it's really hard to take it down because you do have to go through the court process then. Because for them, they said that they won't remove it until they have some sort of court or legal document saying that they are required to. So you have to go through all that process to prove that that statement's uh, false or that post is false, and then they just get taken down. I think like I think it's like if you why don't see the issue with why someone can't just post a negative review from your real account. I just I don't know. It just seems like ev- like everyone and everything is so interconnected these days that they feel like scared or worried. For what? What's going to happen to them? Something's going to come back to them. I would hope that most people don't put a lot of weight on negative reviews. I don't know if they do or, or I mean anonymous negative reviews. Like you would hope that people yeah. aren't really believing what's said because if it's true then why wouldn't you just say it like post it on google reviews post it on yelp and there are some cases like i know there's one case i believe it was in bc about a um i want to say it was a wedding photographer and this was um 
not in the Indian community, but um, somebody was defaming them all over, like leaving reviews. And he knew that it was a specific person and individual who was doing it um, and it was affecting their business. Uh, and I believe they were successful and awarded damages for that. And it was, I believe, substantial amount that they were awarded um, because they had the proof and they had everything to back it up. But um, like we're mentioning here, the anonymity and all of that, that's what kind of adds those difficulty factors. So to prove it's hard. But if you do have all of that proof and somebody is out there defaming you, then you do have actions that you can take. Let's talk about prenups. Prenup, prenup, prenups. Okay. What is a prenup and who should get a prenup? Or do, does it matter? Like, do you have to be a certain, do you have to be really rich to have a prenup? Or like, what, what, like, what is that? A prenup is essentially a contract or a premarital agreement. You're both going into it, setting out what happens in case your relationship dissolves. Um, so should you separate and divorce? The good part about a prenup is because it has such huge implications, you are required to have independent legal advice. So even if you get one lawyer to draft it all, um, one part that's one person's lawyer. The other person still has to go to a separate lawyer who will then explain it to them and before you sign it so you both are informed fully as to what your rights are and either what you're giving up um by signing into this mm -hmm. so it can't be the same lawyer writing up one prenup no we one, one lawyer can write it all but the second person will have to take it to another lawyer to get reviewed and get some advice it's just so you don't have you know whoever's lawyer telling both people what to do okay so okay. just to keep it fair and as for who should get a prenup, um, as lawyers, we recommend most um, people should get a prenup. Um, but if you're entering into a marriage and you both partners don't have that many assets, they don't really have anything they're bringing into the marriage, they're probably starting off new. In that case, it wouldn't be... Um, you wouldn't really even need to protect anything. Uh, you can always do a post-nuptial agreement after you get married. Um, it, but if you are bringing in anything to the marriage and you have assets that you want to protect, you should definitely get a prenup. Um, and on top of that, also, if you have any uh, estate awards that you're, you're kind of looking or you're going to get. So, for example, if your parents, you know, your parents are going to leave you an inheritance and you want to protect that, you can put that into your prenup. Um so there are a lot of things in most scenarios we would recommend it. I know a lot of people don't do it, but I think most most people don't do it. Yeah. Yeah. But I was going to say, so you've kind of covered the situations when you would want one, but then other reasons why you would want one, because um, you kind of mentioned it protects both of you. You kind of have some clarity into what happens. So no one wants to think about breaking up or divorcing. Like that's not why you go into a marriage. Yeah, yeah. But it does make it so much easier that if you were if you were to get to that point, and you know a lot of marriages do end in divorce, so if you are one of those couples and that's where you end up, it gives you a lot more clarity of okay, here's where things will stand, here's the uh, situation I'll be in, versus not really knowing and leaving it up to the courts. Because if you don't have a prenup and you guys can't agree amongst yourselves, and a lot of times people can't because their emotions come into play, and you can't you know mediate and you can't figure it out amongst yourselves and your lawyers then you are kind of leaving it up to chance and you're leaving the court to make those these important decisions about your money and you kind of don't have that say in things that you would have had you done it when you guys were, you know, in a good place. And like, I, I think last time what you said was like really cool when you were like, why wouldn't you get a prenup before you get married when you guys love each other and like each other and you want the best for each other as opposed to like when you, like if you ever get to the spot where like you you don't want to separate from the person and you get like petty and emotions are involved so the safest time to get it would be when you like each other and you're like i if something does happen i want you to at least have like this. what's fair yeah like yeah what's fair is is key 
because what happens is people start getting uh, petty sometimes. Whether it's petty asking for something that isn't theirs or giving somebody what they're entitled to. Like it could go either way. But yeah, that's definitely something that stuck with me from the last time we were recording was like, why wouldn't you do it when you actually like when you are in a good place and you get along versus like dealing with it? Yeah. Like look at Kim and Kanye right now. They had a prenup, but like obviously shit still happens, but at least that a financial a, a good chunk of things is still protected because otherwise they'd have a million things to fight about and now they just have like a limited scope of things to now yeah now it's just like new things that like you know he just wants to do because he's but at least you can't be petty about things that you know were already discussed before or were already in place before and then also one thing that i learned in the last since our last um recording and then i think around that time was how people think that prenups are just for things that you have yeah. but it actually protects you for things that could come up in the marriage. And this is what, once again, it's one of those things that like everybody only assumes that good things happen, that you're only going to like accumulate more, but nobody considers like debt. And then you get divorced or like people start getting divorced and they're like, you you came up with that debt during our marriage. I wanted nothing to do with it, but now you're getting divorced. And now let's say you're both liable for depending on the situation and so it could protect you from any debt that your partner racks up as well and i think a lot of people think that prenups are this like one size fits all kind of situation where this person gets x y or z and like it's not like that at all you get to choose the two of you together get to come up with maybe you want almost everything to be joint you just want maybe your rsps and inheritances from your parents and that's all to be separate and so your prenup mostly most of your stuff is going to still be marital property. It's just a little stuff. It just kind of gives you a little bit of control. And like, it's not like anyone's telling you what to do. It's the two of you deciding together. You can put as much or as little as you want in the prenup. Like it doesn't have to be like, we have to decide on every single thing in this prenup. Like it could just be like, Oh, my, my parents are going to leave me their house. And in the prenup, I just, I want it to be like, if we ever separate the house comes to me. Has your skin been feeling just blah and dull and dry and just not it right now? Because I feel your sister, all right? Is your skincare routine not working for you anymore? Don't walk, run to Fresh Canvas for a new medical grade skincare routine. They offer free, let me repeat that, free skin consults and product recommendations. Fresh Canvas is one of BC's best reviewed clinics for laser, microneedling, hydrofacials, and more. Visit any of their two locations in Surrey and Metrotown Burnaby. Check out their newest specials, all right? We got 24 karat gold hydrofacial, 150 bucks. Microneedling, just 190. Laser Genesis is 120. And their Elite ND YAG laser for full face is just 75 bucks. Also, ask them about ND Med RF microneedling for those struggling with wrinkles, acne scars, and textured skin. And right now, they have a limited edition Zoe Skin Health kit of three products for just 66 bucks. Our friends at Fresh Canvas want to give you all 15% off all services including the $350 full body laser, which y'all know is my favorite, and 15% off skincare. Shop online for brands like Zoe Skin Health, IS Clinical, or Eminence with code COACHES at checkout. In-store discount is one per person. Visit 
skinshop.com and go visit them and let Fresh Canvas's team of experts take care of you. I also think like the biggest thing is like people are like, how do I bring this up with my partner? Like, because I think people just assume that like, I mean, I did too, that like prenups are like a bad thing. Yeah, they can't come with this weird like negative like stigma, right? <laughs> because it's like, oh, if we're happy, like, why do we need a prenup? like that's what people yeah, like, think yeah right? like or like why are you just assuming that this isn't gonna work out it's like um based on the stats <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. i think that would be smart to yeah. do so so what would you say to like people who are like you know i'm scared to bring this up with my partner because what if they think like or like what if this is the downfall of our you know what i mean so, so we're not marriage counselors or anything so i couldn't say for sure i don't want to give any advice that like ruins people's, rela- people's relationships but i think it kind of goes back to i think it was the marriage counselor or um the psychologist that you had a couple of weeks ago give you like a list of things to discuss it i think it falls into that same thing if you're not comfortable discussing money and assets and you know what's going to happen if things were to go sideways with someone like myself personally is that a relationship i'd want to be in like i think it's one of those things that you have to discuss you have to and maybe you guys both discuss it and you guys don't want it and that's fine but i think to not even discuss it at all and i think also providing the context of that this is for both parties like it's not the case where i think a lot of people when they're presented or with the idea of a prenup they just assume that like um i'm going to be the one that's going to end up badly in this at the end but it's to protect both parties so you have saying it too you guys will communicate together make decisions together and figure out what you both want um in your relationship so i think that's a big factor too you are intertwined with family or other people. Like maybe you jointly own a business with like a sibling or a parent or a cousin, or maybe, you know, your parents are going to leave a whole bunch of stuff to all of their siblings, like to all you and your siblings. And it's almost for their protection too. Like it's to keep that stuff separate um, to make that, you know, we're our relationship to fall apart. At least it's not impacting our families right. and it kind of keeps our relationship. It's just to us. Right. Yeah. Because you hear, yeah. Cause you hear so many stories like, you know a couple get divorced and then one like one person from that divorce starts claiming stuff of the other partner's family business that they have ties to or something like that so yeah i think a lot of people don't even think about that type of stuff because they're so like in love with their like partner or something they just you know no one thinks about oh this is gonna end everyone thinks everything lasts forever whether it's negative or bad we're always like i'm never gonna get out of this this is how it's gonna be forever I was actually listening to a podcast, I think after our last one, where Girk was really going on about his dream to win the lottery. And I was like, a lottery, you could put that in your prenup because technically, if you win the lottery, it's marital property. Yeah. <laughs> like, so most people's cases where they, they get married, there's no prenup, nothing, right? So let's say there's no prenup, nothing, two people get married. Everything after that point is joint, right? Um, there's some stuff that's exempt and so exempt like you said assets owned prior to the marriage so like if you own houses properties the increase in value of those assets is marital property not the asset itself okay so let's say i buy a house for five hundred thousand dollars before i get married i get married i don't have a prenup now it's worth a million that extra value of five hundred thousand dollars is split it should be split or not always necessarily 50 50 but that comes into marital property um inherited assets are typically exempt but that's usually when it's like buildings, houses, et cetera. But like if it's money and it gets intermingled. <laughs> so if you get an inheritance, always keep it in a separate account. Once you put it into your joint marital account, that becomes marital property because you can't track it anymore. Um, even on that point, like even if you don't mix it, there's always the argument, especially when it's monetary. Someone can make the argument that 
that was get that inheritance was given for the benefit of both of you. Like say you, cause say you're really close with your in-laws yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that they actually did give you the inheritance for you guys together to yeah. whatever. So that argument can still be made. So if you have it in your prenup, it makes yeah. it a lot easier. Proceeds from personal injury lawsuit, uh, property received as a gift and insurance proceeds typically are exempt. But again, even when things are like exempt, so everything else other than those things I listed yeah. is marital property. But like, even when things are clearly listed as exempt, it's still a sticking point because someone can make arguments that, you know, you mixed it and you intermingled it, like Deep said, like you, you didn't keep it separate and now it's hard to figure out how much of it is still around. Or they can make the argument that part of it was for their benefit, like it was intended to be part theirs as well. Right. Okay. So let's say I get married, right? And after I get married, this podcast blows up and I get a $10 million deal from Spotify. If it's not in my prenup, my husband could claim. Yep. Yep. <laughs> wow. That's why I say, Pam, just just don't do it. <laughs> don't get married. <laughs> That's crazy to me because like everyone, like I, I, I will go, I will make up a stat right now and say 99% of this couples do not get prenups. No, I would. Uh, I don't know for sure, but I think that that doesn't sound wrong. It doesn't sound wrong. <laughs> <laughs> That's not an actual fact, but I'm just assuming based on my own personal, like, you know, of knowing everyone or whatever. But here's the thing also is like, like I could see that for a lot of couples, this causing fights, talking about the prenup even before they get married. Because what if like you're dating someone and you're like get engaged, you're like, yeah, we should talk about like a prenup. And if someone says, well, this is mine. So... I want that in the prenup. And then what the person's like, what the fuck? So that could cause like, so I think that's what people are scared of. Yeah. The other thing to think about is I think some people are just like, well, why would I spend this money? We're going to be good or whatever. Because if you don't have things laid out, you can spend a huge chunk of your marital assets on family lawyers yeah. <laughs> when you're actually divorcing. Whereas if you had a prenup, there's a lot less to fight about. It's a lot clearer. You're going to save a lot of money, hopefully during the actual divorce proceedings right. versus people who don't have a prenup. Because you never know what that person is going to turn into a during the course of your marriage and also when something is not working out and let's say you're trying to end this marriage you could flip a switch in a person and they could all of a sudden you're like who is this person that's not the person i married well of course because people change over time and then also now you've upset them when they married you you guys were happy now now there's like a whole laundry list of things that you guys have done to piss each other off over like whatever x period of time and now you're now they're just like i've just heard so many th situations where like people just get petty and they're like fighting over something like so small and they're they're paying so much in legal fees but it's just because they're just mad at the other yeah, person what about if you you're you're you have no prenup you get divorced can the guy claim the the wedding ring the engagement ring or they want 50 percent? like i want 50 percent of the value of the engagement ring that i gave you well, see, that that would be because it would depend. So law is never black and white. There's yeah. going to be it's shades of gray. Like, do people put that in their prenups? Uh, you could. Um, if you you could put that in your prenup that you wanted the ring back or um, you want a certain amount of it. But it, it's always going to depend on the circumstances, like the the circumstances of when they gifted it to you, uh, how they gifted it, like in what they said. Because um, generally when they are gifts, those are usually separate. A lot of people now also do that thing where like, you know, when they're older and a bit more successful, five, 10 years, whatever, they'll upgrade their ring. And I'm like, at that point, you're using marital money mixed usually because um, if you're not keeping your money separate, you're using money to buy it. So I think there'd be a stronger argument there that like, 
we bought each other these gifts, but we bought it with our marital money. So yeah. like, right. Okay. 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 I saw like a TikTok video. Well, when we're having this professional conversation, I'm like, I saw a TikTok video one time. <laughs> so this lady, she's like 50 years old and she's giving advice to like younger people. Right. And then someone asked her about like prenups, like, should I get a prenup? Right. And then she says, I think you should, everyone should have a prenup. She's like, if you're scared that your relationship is going to fall apart because of a prenup conversation, it's not strong enough to begin with. Yes. Mm, I agree. 5,000%. Yeah. yeah. Like you don't have to get one. You should at least talk about it. And I think a, a, like a lot of people also are, are, are like, well, you know, well, I don't have anything to my name. Most people that get married don't have anything to their name yet. So then they're like, what's the point of getting a prenup? But like we talked before, it also protects you from future stuff. Yeah. Like, you know, if in the future we start a business, this is what it would look like if we get divorced. And there's things you can like add, add to it and you can remove. Well, you can always have like a postnuptial agreement as well after which, um, even the case that you don't have a prenuptial agreement or that you wanted to make changes after so you can. But like for the majority right now, I think a lot of people think like how you said, Pam, that people think like, well, I don't have anything right now. So what do we need this for? Well, as soon as you guys start talking about getting married, you're going to start involving all these big ticket items that do become like, you know, issues when people go to get divorced. So just for something basic like that, I think it's worth because it's what, like a, a up to 1500 like around $1,500 for It'll depend. It'll depend on the lawyer, the circumstance. The, but I think yeah. people think it's like $5,000 or $10,000 to get a prenup and it has to be like worth it for like, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of assets. But I think it's worth it for just like the jewelry that's exchanged in the begin the first year. It doesn't have to cover specific items. It can cover ideas of like, you know, our RRSPs, whatever our contributions to our RRSPs, that will be separate. Our retirement savings will be separate. Right. Or, um, you know, you could just say the joint accounts and joint credit cards and et cetera is community property and debt. Right. But, you know, if you rack up a ton of credit card debt on your own personal right. credit cards, that's on you. Like you can just put conceptual things in too that you don't have yet right. because, you know, maybe you both have nothing. You can kind of plan ahead just to kind of, it's a good way to bring up talking about your finances it's a good way to communicate your expectations of each other and i feel like you learn a lot when mm -hmm. you when you talk about that okay so okay for people who don't have prenups um the default is everything's 50 percent. is that the, is that the default it's that everything's split it's not always exactly 50 percent, but it is like split yeah okay other than the things we mentioned before that are exempt. Oh, okay gotcha 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 okay it's not technically default 50 50 but it is default split it's usually 50-50. It's just sometimes a court will move it to make it fair. So because sometimes 50-50 doesn't necessarily end up being fair for both parties. I, th I think we already answered this, actually. So so anything that you have, like, prior to getting married is yours if you don't have a prenup, right? But if any of that stuff goes up in value when you while you're married, the increase of that can possibly be... That's exactly right. Yeah, you had it exactly right. The only thing to add on to that is if you have stuff pre-marriage, like obviously it's easy when it's property or anything like that, but um, like monetary stuff, say you have a savings account and then all of a sudden you mix your savings account and start using it to buy stuff around the house. Yeah. That makes it a lot harder because okay. now you've kind of watered down like that clear boundary of this was mine. Right. Um, so that's why anything you want to keep exempt from marital property, it's best to keep in separate accounts. 
okay so that answers like a lot of the questions that people had um what is one thing that women don't prioritize or forget about when it comes to like prenups you guys think i think it's what you said earlier about if they're gonna give up their career in any respect then they should make sure that that's accounted for and the law does its best to do that it doesn't always get 100 percent right so it's better to just deal with that yourselves because even if you're not going to be a stay-at-home mom you're still going to take mat leave you're still gonna assuming you have children you'll likely take mat leave you'll likely a lot of times women make concessions in their career even if they work the entire time they still make concessions of maybe they don't work do as much overtime maybe they don't dictate that promotion yeah and so i think kind of trying to account for that to make sure that it's fair that and what about for men because i don't want this to be like you know just one-sided because men get i feel like can get screwed over as well i think it's just uh trying to clearly define what you guys have or expect to have and yeah and then setting out how you want that to be brought into it personally i think it's fair if you leave out like inheritances like stuff that's meant to be exempt because like they usually are meant to be exempt so if you can clearly put that in your prenup um or you know if you own things with other people if you have businesses or property with people outside the marriage to keep that clearly defined in your prenup so that it's not protected and then last thing um, I know it's more than one thing. <laughs> you said what is one thing? Um, retirement savings. I think a lot of people forget that that's marital property. And so if you can just even put that, because, you know, at the end of the day, like if you get divorced when you're 60 and it makes yeah. a whole dent in your savings. If the marriage falls apart because one person cheated, right, and they don't have a prenup, does that, does the fact that that, that cheating happened carry any weight in the divorce proceedings? Typically not, no, because Canada's no fault. So your conduct doesn't really matter. It's the fact that for whatever reason, your marriage has fallen apart. Like short of abuse and like those types of things can obviously come into play and criminal stuff. But just generally speaking, like the fact that this person cheated on me or they we weren't that nice to each other, whatever the case is, like the court typically doesn't get involved in that, especially when it comes to money. I think what you're, because ba- I know there's been, a lot of people think that, oh, if uh one person gets caught cheating then they don't get anything i think it's first of all only in some states yeah i think some states do have fault provisions i remember last time you had mentioned that um that the courts don't get involved in that type of stuff because that's like personal stuff i do think a lot of people have the assumption that oh if this person cheats in a marriage and we get divorced they uh, like i have I, i can use that against them or something you can't no like, like I said, short of, you know, criminal stuff or abuse. But like, otherwise, yeah, just because someone was way meaner in a marriage than someone else or someone was really shit. Like, those are your personal failings and the court doesn't want to get involved in your personal conduct. That's a great thing to just general public knowledge is that, okay, but could you technically put that in a prenup? Like, hey, if one of us cheats, the other person has to give the other person a $50,000 check. <laughs> you could do it, but it's likely not going to get enforced. Um, it's, it's unlikely to be enforced in Canada. Even if it's in your prenup. Yeah, like most courts don't. Um, but I, usually if it doesn't line up with the law, generally speaking, um, then it won't be enforced. I'm not saying for certain, but I know that that's the typical advice is that it likely won't be enforced. You can discuss it with your lawyer and you could still put it in. Oh, you can ask them what's the like, okay. Yeah, because you can still put it in just to kind of have a communication amongst each other um, of your expectations. But whether or not you'll successfully get that. What? Someone asked that. (laughs) I'm just asking the questions that people are asking, bro. Okay, hold on. Let me just, uh, can you put custody in a prenup? Like you could, but again, it wouldn't necessarily be enforceable. 
it's also based on the court's going to look at the best interest of the child. So if you put it in that you wanted to have it with the the mother, but the mother is not a good provider, doesn't um, provide for the child, then the court's going to take a look at that as well. Is a prenup, so this, someone asked, is it ironclad? It, it can be. I mean, it's hard to say, like we said in law, like nothing is black and white. There's always going to be kind of gray, um, depending on the circumstances, depending on the facts. Uh, you can make it as ironclad as you, you can. Um, you will probably have to pay a little bit of a hefty price tag for that. But um, you can definitely make it ironclad. For certain things, too. Yeah. Like, like we mentioned, um, things like spousal support and child support sometimes are going to, the court is willing to kind of go outside of your agreement. What about money that you've have or started with before the relationship? If it's in a separate account, yeah. you're yes. good. Once you once join- you mix it, once you if you say you move it from your account to now the joint account because yeah. you want to purchase a car or big things, yeah. once you've moved it, now that money can't be tracked anymore. Or it's, it's harder. Mixed. It's harder. Um, so that becomes marital assets. So if you want to keep it separate, put it, it keep it in your separate goal. account. Yeah. Um, and then on the other part, if you have it in savings or in like investments, yeah. if that's earning money, then. That then that could be marital whatever is earned or increased right damn bro yeah i don't even know if it's worth it <laughs> <laughs> that definitely is probably like my biggest question is like legally speaking is it worth getting married um i'm sure there's lots of benefits like you guys can probably <laughs> I mean, I think like you can probably like I'm sure there's a lot you can build and do together that maybe wouldn't be possible on your own. So you know, but you, but you could still be together and do it. But technically, you don't have to be married. Like, what's the purpose of getting married? <laughs> this is a philosophical question, not a question for lawyers. No, because no. So pretty much the reason why I ask is like because what I've I don't know the way I think about it, and somebody like put this in my head like several years ago. They're like, why is it that? your spouse is your only like one of your only few legal relationships like i'm friends with pammy pammy and i have a business together we do a lot of things together but we're not married okay no no i think i have the answer to this okay like why do you have to write a legal contract with this person to like spend your life with them but i'm not legally bound to like my parents or my siblings or like because the institution of marriage was invented because of real estate and property back in the day the, that's the whole reason it started was to expand your asset oh right for like based on like merging stuff prior to like real estate and land owning like people weren't getting married they were just existing within their tribes right right and then once land ownership once people started settling in one area and started farming and owning land then they started getting married we have this agreement, I'll get married to this person, now I'll have their family as well, and our assets will be one collective. But here we are with like prenups and all these agreements and like, you know, figuring out in estates and inheritances and all that kind of stuff to keep things separate. I think there's a lot of a uh, like relationship component to it too, religious too also. Like a lot of people want that commitment from somebody else that they're going to stay with them, that one partner and have that commitment to marriage. And then another part of it is, could be religious. A lot of people want to stay with them for religiously married. And, I was, and just the certainty for some people want that before they have children to kind of provide some kind of certainty of like, we're doing this together for our kids because I'm going to be giving up things 
in order to like provide for our kid or whatever the case might be. So at least we're doing it jointly. Like it's, I get some kind of benefit from giving up things, vice versa. So someone asked, if you hide your money in bank accounts <laughs> that your spouse doesn't know about, then what? I know uh, family lawyers that have gone through the process where people have been fi- hiding assets and they end up finding them. Um, if you can hide them well enough, then you're good. <laughs> <laughs> I think also if someone has enough proof that, you know, there should be more assets, like for example, you earn X amount of dollars and there's just a whole bunch of money missing. <laughs> like yeah. clearly that's been moved from these bank accounts to some random bank accounts. The, if you like, there's cases where the judges or the court can use that to split what's left in a more equitable manner if they believe that, you know, there is a lot of money missing that should, or that's unexplained for, like, if you can make a case that there should be more. Same person asked this next question, too. <laughs> I didn't know that. Can you sell a house and transfer the money to someone else and then file for divorce? Is the property owned by both parties? I guess. Like, let's assume it is. So they, they would sell it to somebody else. And then transfer the money to someone else. It wouldn't else. be an arm's length transaction. Like an arm's length just means that it's it's somebody like an arm's length away from you. So a stranger. So if you're selling it yeah. to that. If it's somebody that you already know, then the argument can be made that they're holding that in trust for you. The property, if it's in both names, both people have to sign off on that. And if it's not in both names, um, the spouse, the other spouse does still have to sign off on it because they have dower rights to the house. Um, so they're allowed to stay in that house uh, so you're talking about like a house that people live in but let's say like let's say it's a rental property yeah let's say it's a rental property let's say it's under my name only and not my husband's name for whatever reason right and let's say i want to get she bought it during the marriage yeah i bought it during the marriage it's under my name but you know we don't have a prenup but you know it's just agreed upon that it's both ours because we're married let's say i find out that he's cheating on me behind my back and i'm like fuck this guy right now i decide before telling him anything i decide to sell it right yeah. i don't he doesn't know anything about it i sell it because it's mine like it's under my name and so the we, proceeds of the money she transfers to me transfer in the meantime then i file for divorce well the, he knows the house existed so you have to the, in the process of divorce there's disclosure and you have to disclose your bank accounts all that stuff and everything that you did in the during that well oh. they'll ask for like your current stuff like your bank accounts your what for your financials and then if stuff is missing like your husband's gonna be like, well, there was a house. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and also you sold it to somebody who's close to you. Somebody no, not who's selling like, it to, like, let's say she sells it to a random, but the money that she gets back. I gift it to Garveen. No. Yes, no. she gifts it to me. It'd have to be, uh, the, the circumstances surrounding that gift can be questioned. Well, well, and then also, even if you did, even if you rightfully did do that during the course of the marriage, you're disposing of like what's marital property. So then, like I said earlier, the judge can kind of split what's left unevenly, not in your favor to make up for that. Like when Pammy was like telling me that somebody asked this question, I'm like, I just know that like yeah. so many people are thinking this or like they're just like trying to get away with like stupid yeah. shit. How did, did he say, oh, I'm the same person? I can see their names, yeah. Oh, okay, okay. This was asked on Instagram, so I know, like, yeah. <laughs> their name is, just kidding. <laughs> I mean, it's a defamation loss. <laughs> no, it's true. They did ask me that. So it's not defamation. Yeah. <laughs> How important is a will? How does it work if someone contests a will? Who can contest a will? Do things automatically pass to spouse and children? Does it have to be written up by a lawyer or can I make my dad type one out <laughs> type one out one day? How do I convince my dad that it'll be fine is not a plan? 
for a secure future. My youngest sibling is 17 and I worry about him and how I will take care of them if something happens to my parents. Any stories or cases to share with my dad as to why his plan is useless would be great. Thanks. (laughs) (laughs) I like the question. Um, Okay, so first off, Will's are very, very important. Um, if you have any assets uh, that are yours that, that you want to pass on, uh, you should definitely have a will. Um, if you have children, you should have a will. Uh, it's really, really important. I know a lot of people don't like to talk about it because then you were talking about those uncomfortable topics such as death and um, passing, but it is really important to have. And essentially what a will is, is it's just a written uh, testimony of all of your assets and how you want them divided up and who you want them given to. How does it work if someone can, if, okay, can you contest a will? Can you contest a will? Okay, so yes, uh, um, wills can be contested as well. If you feel like you should have been a beneficiary or you were um, taken out of the estate for some reason and for anything like that, or you felt that maybe the the person was manipulated if they're elderly and they were manipulated into a will, you can contest it. How it works to contest it is you do have to make a court claim against the will, um, the estate. And that'll usually happen because when that person passes away, you know that their estate will get probated. Um, and then you go through that process and you you can speak to a lawyer at that time. Is there a thing where you can only you can contest it in BC but not in Alberta? So, so one of the, the things that I wanted to talk about is that um, I know in our community too, a lot of uh, our our parents are set in that old mindset of everything will go to the 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 sons, the males, because they'll take care of their sisters and they'll take care of that. So they'll leave the daughters completely out of the will, um, which is unfair and it, it shouldn't. It, that should be a conversation that you're having with your parents about um, about that, but. Um, here in Alberta, you can disinherit your children so you can leave them out of the will. So in Alberta here, you can write out your daughters of the will, um, and that will stick. However, in BC, uh, the the case, or sorry, the law is a bit different there that they don't allow for disin or for a child to be disinherited if there's not a valid reason for it. And there's a very prominent case. I think you guys spoke to it better on the podcast before about the, the daughters who fought against their state and won and got, um, somewhat equal settlements. So essentially it was under that they fought against the estate because their dad left them completely out of the will and it was a really big uh, estate um, and they they fought it and LBC law granted them their estate because essentially you have to have a valid reason. So you have to have an actual reason that maybe you already previously gave your daughter a house so you're not going to write her into the will because you already provided for her you already gave her your her share or that um you are you don't speak with them anymore there is animosity there you have to actually specifically leave a reason for it if you don't then it can be contested um let's say the same case comes along like let's say it's a son and a daughter Punjabi and the dad leaves everything to the son in Alberta that will would hold if it was a specific will and he he wrote out that he wanted to give everything to his son, then yes, you can you can disinherit disinherit children. But if there's no it. will, it's so if you don't have a will, actually, we'll just talk about this quickly and give you an overview. So the, everything we talk about is if you do have a will. If you don't have a will, um, what you we call it is that you've died intestate. Um, so you don't have a will. You have to go through a whole, whole process of, in Alberta, getting a grant of administration. And essentially, the court um, and the statutes will determine what where your property goes. So generally, it always goes to the spouse, to the ch- um, and then to the children, uh, and then it keeps going down a list uh, until it's given the entire estate away. Okay, so I just want to clarify one thing. If a father leaves his daughter out of the will intentionally because she's a daughter, she can't contest that will in Alberta. 
if any of those circumstances came up like undue dur- uh no, undue let's influence, say none of that, none stuff, of that applies. stuff he's of sound mind yeah her dad is of sound mind and he's like uh hey no you're the daughter i'm writing everything to my son she can't contest that here in alberta uh no not according to all the laws there's always ways that you can contest it if you wanted to make the argument that will you be successful probably not okay but in bc you have a higher chance in bc you do have a higher chance they do a lot of cases have gone through and they have a kind of a rigorous uh rule that the what judges will look over and what they'll look for but you do actually have a have have to have a specific reason for why you're leaving them out and it has to be a valid reason okay but in alberta you don't have to have you don't have to you can disinherit your children in alberta so this girl says uh how do I convince my dad that it'll be fine is not a plan. So what would be your guys's like advice for people who don't have wills? Like why? Like, I guess you could show your dad the statutes and, and show your dad kind of like, this is what's going to happen to your property if you don't have a will. And here's how it's going to get broken down. Um, and especially if that's not what he wants, if he's looking to distribute a different way, that could be something that could sway him. Um, it's also good for, for everybody after the fact is a lot less work um, or paperwork to go through and kind of figure out what's at all of their estates and stuff or assets. Um, you've set up already who you want to administer the state. You set up who you want to give it to. You can give out gifts donations all of that it's just a more secure way to have your estate planned um and it's beneficial for not only you or the father but then also the people that are going to be handling the estate after the fact um so it'll make it easier on them okay does a lawyer have to make a will can you make your own will so you don't need a lawyer to make a will um and i'm not sure this may vary to province to province but there is something called a holograph will um, and it just means a handwritten will and it is a valid in Alberta. Um, and where it came about was, uh, um, there was a farmer in Saskatchewan who is driving a, a tractor in the fields far away from everybody else. Um, he ended up somehow getting pinned underneath his tractor and he knew he was going to die. So he just scratched into his tractor. Um, I leave everything to my wife. Uh, and they made, they held that as a valid will because it was in his handwriting. Um, he did it in the contemplation of his estate. There are certain requirements that you do need to have a holograph will. So it has to be all handwritten. You can't type it out and sign it. Um, it has to be in your own handwriting, has to be dated. It has to um, say that this is your current will and you, you renounce all other previous wills. So there are certain requirements and you can look it up. It's called a holograph will. That can be like a kind of a, a backup will. If you're going on a trip or something and you decide that you don't have a will and you just want to write something down as long as you follow the requirements it is valid in alberta um i know it's not valid in everywhere so you may just want to double check when someone asks, when should you um at what age should one consider writing their will um i think it'll vary between person to person and their circumstances but i think that once you're past 18 and you have assets or you have children um that you want to leave your assets to um I think that would be a good time to write a will. Uh, anytime that you have something that you want or you have any sort of asset that you want to be given over to somebody, that would be a time to write a will. Because I think in my experience, most people tend to get them either when they get married, when they have a child or when they buy a house, whichever one comes first. Yeah. That tends to be when most people do it. Like these big life events. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And every time you do have a big life event too, you should also take a look at your will again just to make sure so if you get married divorced have another child you want to take a look at your will again just to make sure that you've um taken them into consideration or taking these new changes into consideration what happens to debts 
in like so let's say someone's parent passes away and they have a hundred thousand dollar cra debt or something like that what happens to that debt so you do have to pay out debts so there is an accounting done when somebody passes away um the person who is the personal representative uh will go through and do the final taxes for that year and they'll also go through and uh, go through all the financials which is means all of their assets and all of their debts uh, they are liable to the creditors so they do have to pay out the creditors uh anything that's owed uh, or as personally let's say the estate is zero if the estate is zero, then there's nothing there to be to be given. The, so their creditors sent- can't go after, like let's say that person's spouse. No. Um, also, I think from the last time, I'm just trying to think, like what I thought was interesting is how we think, like oh, you just write a will and you just sign, you know, just hand all these things off to people when you pass away, but then they get taxed like up the hoo-ha so there's way the tax planning side of things there's different um each province that handles it differently so in alberta there is no estate tax um there is a fee when you go and what do you mean there's no estate tax (laughs) alberta you still do pay taxes like say you dispose of property Yes, not the taxes. So you get, you get taxed on the property transfer like so for example someone held property for 30 years and it's increased say in value a million dollars you're gonna that's gonna be taxed the estate's gonna be taxed on that as a capital gain but there's no actual tax, estate tax from the court. Like when you go to probate the will, they won't charge you um, any estate taxes. They charge you a small fee for for doing the probation, but um, there's no actually estate tax on it or estate fees on it. Whereas I know in different provinces, I believe in like Toronto and BC, there are, it, the, you're charged a portion of the estate um, as a court fee kind of. Oh, wow. Yeah. Someone says, if I'm to inherit a property, would I pay tax on it? So you'd have the, the deemed disposition tax, which is essentially the property transfer. Like they're assuming it's sold. Um, so you get taxed on that gain. So like I said, the example before, say their parent owned it for 30 years and it's gone up in value a million dollars. You'd get a capital gain tax on the increase of a million dollars. Like right away? You have to pay it. Yeah, the CRA is. So that's why a lot of people say to get life insurance. So if you have a high value estate that is like largely property and stuff, because the estate has to pay those taxes. Wait, what? Hold on, wait, wait, wait. Back up, back up, back up, back up, back up. If someone inherits a property, even if they don't sell it, it just transfers to them? It's so essentially they won't get charged it like that you won't be at the estate will so say if you have one hundred thousand dollar property and uh, 30 years pass by and the person holding it passes away and now it's worth a million dollars so now it's gonna when you do all of your uh, taxes and you do your final accounting it's gonna the cra is gonna hold it as if you had sold they had sold that property to now whoever's the beneficiary at a million dollars so it'll get taxed at that capital gains of nine hundred thousand dollars they treat it the same way as like, say, for example, a deep exact example, say before they passed away, they sold it. The CRA is going to treat it the exact same way. Like to them, all that matters is that property is transferring hands at a higher value. So that's why for a lot of people, um, that's actually a really good thing to discuss to people who are planning a will and sometimes a good reason for them to look into a will is because a lot of people don't think about that. And say, for example, your will or beneficiaries don't have the means to pay that substantial amount right away short like without selling your properties they basically are forced into selling your properties oh wow that's why a lot of people get life insurance as part of their uh wills and the state's planning so just enough life insurance to just cover those taxes because the interesting thing about life insurance too is that life insurance um 
kind of bypasses the estate because you've already assigned a beneficiary to it. Um, it, it doesn't go through the estate. It goes directly to that person. So they don't have to wait for the however month process long it takes to probate the will or anything like that. It'll just go directly to them. Um, so it's a faster way to get that money. Too. That's only if you name a beneficiary though. So everyone should name a beneficiary because if you don't, it just becomes part of your estate. Like your life insurance just becomes part of your estate. I'll just ask some of the random one-off questions that we had that don't kind of fall into anything. Um, can you use audio recordings in court if they didn't know they were being recorded? So there, uh, Canada is one consent. So if you were recording and you knew that you were recording, then that's, uh, that's okay. So you can record a telephone conversation if you're part of, you're part of the conversation. <laughs> If you drop a recording into a conversation, into a room, and then walk out of the room, and nobody in that room knows that they're being recorded, then that's a, actually a crime. You can't actually do that. If I'm talking to Graveen on the phone, right, and we're having a phone conversation, and I'm recording it, and she doesn't know, but I know, and I'm a part of that conversation, I can present that in court. Yes. But if two people are having a conversation, and let's say... I record it from my phone, but I'm a third party and I'm not a part of that conversation. But one person knows, like my friend knows that I'm recording, but her boyfriend doesn't know that I'm recording. Yeah, then as long as one person knows and they're involved in that conversation. And there are other exceptions as well. Like we can't do that as lawyers. So like there are other professional ones. Not, it's not just us. There's other professionals that can't do it. Thank you guys so much for coming on the podcast and sharing your guys' knowledge. I always love these like law legal like conversations that I have. You guys can follow them on Instagram at brar.law or check out their website at www.brarlawfirm.com. Well, first, thank you for having yeah, us. Thank you for having <laughs> us on. Um, and like we said before, like I, I specialize in personal injury law, even though we discussed a lot of other stuff that we do have experience in. Um, that's my specialization. Deep specializes in uh, personal injury, uh, real estate, wills and estates, um, and then litigation as well. Um, and like we said before, everything we said was general legal information. So if you have more specific questions, definitely talk to a lawyer about the facts in your situation and how the things we discussed apply yes because nothing is black and white when it comes to the law it's very fact dependent um and as we mentioned at the beginning if someone does have questions about a specific scenario we are offering free consultations to listeners so and i'll also leave all this information in the episode details so wherever you're listening to it just check on the episode details and you'll find all the information all the links that you guys can click to like follow these girls and ask them any questions and i i would say even if you have like maybe prenup specific or you know those type of specific questions you can still they can still ask you guys and you guys can refer them to no of course yeah we'd be happy to help um and we'd be happy to answer and give you general advice and then refer you out to some some great family lawyers that we know i'm just happy i got to ask the the big question of why do people get married (laughs) (laughs) all right thank you guys so much for uh, listening to today's episode and we'll catch you next week on coaches don't play bye